open up your books, you bad apples. He just sits there, you know, shining down his ray of judgment onto me. Well, why, why would your cat be judging you right now? Just because he, uh, well, for one, he spends a lot more time in the house than I do, so I assume by this point he sees me as more of a guest than the person that, you know, um, puts the bacon in the pan, if that makes sense. <laughs> Brings home the bacon, yeah. Yep, yep. I'm bringing home the bacon, and this dude, he just, he sits on my couch, and every night when I come in from work, He's always sitting there just, he knows exactly where I'm going to be. Well, you know, I'm going to be in the doorway because that's where I walk through. But he just, it's like he's been staring at the same spot for hours just waiting for me to fill the void. I think he's going to into like every crevice of your house and like judging you for like uh, the trash that you might have not taken out for a few days, you know. Or dishes that need to be done in the sink. He, he wants a clean home, you know. You know what? Honestly, I hope that that doesn't bother him so much because I'm not big on doing dishes. It's kind of a lot of work when you think about it. Yeah. Um, hello, everyone. This is the Bad Apple Book Club. I'm Lucas Nord. And I'm Cole Lang. And this one started off with a little bit of cat talk, but I think cat talk is good because cats are good. I'm a dog guy, but I do like cats. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh, I can't can't do cats. You know, Well, I hate cats. I'm not that guy. Well, see, it's not only that you got to specify that you don't hate cats, but people always think that you got to pick a side between the two as well. You know? Yeah. Yep. No, it, sorry, man. I can only pet dogs because I'm a dog guy. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep, and, uh, you know, I went through a very abusive relationship with a cat by the name of Harry that, you know, we might have heard about, and, uh... R.I.P. Harry. R.I.P. Harry, he was very mean, but, uh, you know, despite all the abuse he put me through, he, uh... I still loved him and, you know, uh, talked to him every night before I go to bed, a little prayer. Wow. Adorable. Yep. Um... Speaking of prayers, Cole, do you want to talk about what we're going to get into today? Um, <laughs> maybe not Maybe not a good segue at all, but when you think about it, isn't Mama always talking about the good Lord? The good Lord, uh, don't betray him. Don't Plus, talk bad about him. If I'm not mistaken, we will be getting into some church-like activities through our... Um, our, you know, chapters that we'll be discussing today for... Part 3! Woo! Yes, sir. Uh, I guess I'll just give a little little recap on the last episode. Please. Uh, so Maya, she went through some trauma. That was most... You know, if you listen to Part 2, you know what happens. Uh, but a man abused her. And most of that is just trying to recover from that. She's not, you know, she's completely silent and uh, doesn't really have anybody to turn to. And then like uh, Mrs. Flowers comes in to kind of swoop her in and show her the world of literature and, you know, really care for her, uh, which is really nice. Yeah, super sweet. And, And then... We met the Karens that she was uh, 
you know, taken care of. And she tried to get fired, whatever. And she finally did that by breaking the plate. And yeah. And anything else you can think of for the recap? Um, You know, I think that you mentioned up top the traumatic experience that she lived through uh, at the age of eight is really one of the bigger takeaways out of the whole thing. And while I gotta say that I have enjoyed the book up to this point, I think that, um, as we briefly discussed before we started recording here, this stretch of chapters kinda, I won't say it puts the first two parts to shame, but we're gonna get into some really good stuff here, I think. Oh, the the content is, oh, it's good. Like, oh, yeah. it, it, it's not even like, uh, it's not even like dark stuff anymore. Well, there's some dark stuff. But there's a lot of highlights in here. I'm very excited for this one. I think so. the specific thing that um, stands out to me, just to explain briefly before we get to it, is, you know, following her childhood, it was kind of a, I guess, as linear a path as someone's life can be when it's written into a book. You know, she goes here and does this and grows to this age and stuff like that. But now that she's a little bit older in these chapters, it seems like... Maybe, you know, things being scattered doesn't even come with the age, but we're going to see, like, a bunch of tiny, specific vignettes, almost like um, genre stories. Like, we're going to discuss something that sounds like a bit of a horror story. Well, a few things that could be considered horror stories, but they're going to be for... They're going to be so specific with their, like, content and maybe the point at the end of them that um, something about all of them specifically just really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah, it really puts the setting of this whole story, her life story uh, into perspective. I would yeah. say. Uh, you ready to roll into this? Let's get to it. Alrighty. One day at Mama's General Store, people are crowding around to listen to the biggest boxing championship match featuring Joe Lewis, an African-American boxer, against you know just just your average uh white boxer i guess not average but he's probably good but it's it's a big big deal for the uh the community had you ever heard the name joe lewis before reading this book i have not okay yeah neither had i I wasn't sure if he was uh well i guess i don't know that you were ever into boxing much but i wasn't sure if he was one of those you know Big name athletes that I'll hear the name of a hundred times, but I won't know what sport they played in. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan, uh, big golf guy. Big, yeah, you uh, know, w- uh, Wayne Gretzky always sinking those threes. <laughs> yeah, from uh, from the free throw line. Oh, right there. Yes, yeah. Sir. Sports, we love them. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I have not heard of Joe Lewis, but I, there is an athlete in here in this part that I did know a little bit about, which is a uh-huh. little, little thing we'll get into. But yeah, so obviously uh, the crowd is all black in this general store, right? And they're hoping that Joe Lewis can win, which would be a huge win for the black community. Joe Lewis... They're fighting. It's a really good fight. And Joe Lewis, he gets knocked down. And Maya says, quote, My race groaned. It was our people falling. It was another lynching. If Joe lost, we were back in slavery and beyond help. 
It would all be true, the accusations that we were lower types of human, human beings, only a little higher than apes, end quote. But eventually, Joe, he gets up, you know, and he just starts wailing on this dude, and the white man is knocked out, and the crowd goes wild. Uh, obviously, the crowd in the, on the radio and uh, the crowd in the general store. The crowd in the general store that is literally, they got people standing on the steps of the porch to hear this uh, this game on the radio that's cranked up all the way. And the people that aren't leaning on the shelves are leaning on each other and stuff like that. They're really packed in here. Yep, uh, very excited. And it's just uh, crazy that this would have been the equivalent of like the McGregor fight the other day. But imagine listening to that on the radio. Uh, yeah, that right? Would, that would be just crazy different times yeah sounds very, it sounds really exciting though too yeah so the people that lived out of town that like made it to this big fight because i don't know like maybe mama was just one of the people that had a radio or i'm guessing it's probably like a super bowl party where you have like a bunch of people over uh which i'm looking and, forward to i think it'll be a and, good game I believe it was mentioned that it was Uncle Willie's radio. The only reason that I mentioned that is because I believe when I was reading it, it uh, I noticed that it was talking about how it was kind of a uh, standout for him to have a radio, perhaps. And, you know, like I said, he had it cranked all the way to that top notch. I wonder how loud those things actually got, by the way, now that we're talking about it, because I did not know the timeline for this story. And we're going to get to a specific section that takes place in 1940. So, you know, the mid-1930s, you're kind of thinking about one of those classic radios that looks like the little jukebox, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, I wonder how loud those things get. Uh, well, just like on Spinal Tap, uh, level 11. Spinal Tap? The movie? You haven't seen it? Nope. Oh, man, that is a really, it's like the best mockumentary ever. Oh, very you, fun. You, you gotta see it. Yeah. Cool. Um, and yeah, so the people that like traveled far, they make arrangements to like stay in town because like, obviously the white community, they're hurting right now. They're crying. Uh, the people in white folk land, they are having a bad time. And, uh, you know, you don't want to be a lone black man in the streets at night uh, celebrating. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, they uh, get a hotel and sleep there. So, yeah, you don't... You, Joe Lewis just uh, beat up white pride and uh, it's go Joe Lewis. That's all I got. Put him down for the 10 count. Also yeah. thought it was interesting to... Note that his nickname was the Brown Bomber. The Brown Bomber, uh, yep. Yeah. Kind of yep. fun, but also kind of uh, to the point or something like that, I guess. I just thought it was kind of funny. The Brown Bomber. The Brown Bomber. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's a fun name. It's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, during the summer, at the annual fish fry, the barbecue pit is blazing. You know, they, the moms are... The women are making their like best dishes, and the men are like really slow cooking the pork shoulder. And Ooh. 
fish are being caught left and right at a nearby pond, and the children are just running around having a good time. And Maya, she finds herself wandering into a patch of trees and leans up against one, and she just looks at the sky. She's just uh, taken in the moment, you know? And a girl by the name of Louise comes to join her as they, uh, they're just kind of like spinning around in circles, like holding hands and like spinning and looking at the sky together and uh, just kind of saying what the clouds look like. And, you know, this, this isn't, this is like one of the first uh, interactions she's had with a like girlfriend in the book. And it's a nice little scene. And, nice uh, little scene and interesting to take note of the fact that Maya, you know, even though everyone's out having a good time, she's there having a good time too, but she goes and finds her own little clearing away from everything, and it's like her own little hidden paradise, kind of, and uh, this girl just comes up out of nowhere, but they end up getting along very well, so it was kind of a blessing in disguise, even though Maya was perfectly happy to have her little quiet space here all to herself. Oh, yeah, because she's, she's used to that, you know? Yeah. A uh, little bit of an introvert, you might say, uh, yep. but uh, she totally welcomes this person, person, and uh, they start to talk in Tutanese, Tutanese, uh, and never heard of it before. Uh, so I couldn't really find too much, but on Google, it was saying like it's it's a language you can make up. Like if if I were to say like bad, uh, I would replace like B with boy, A with apple, and then uh, D with delta. So it'd be like boy apple delta, and it'd be like bad. Um, wow. Yeah. So it's like a kind of complicated in that sense. Um, but it was, I guess it was used among like slaves that would like make their own language to. Uh, so like white people couldn't understand what they're saying so that was very interesting Wicked. yeah yeah so take take down the man that's why i say yep i definitely couldn't understand any of the sentences that were used as examples in the book no 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 i couldn't either <laughs> uh, i'm not studying tutanese right now okay i'm i'm uh taking calculus so. <laughs> Um, so, and she says, quote, after being a woman for three years, I was about to become a girl. So I thought that was really, a really good quote there. Yeah. Yeah. After all these hardships she's gone through, really hasn't been able to, uh, uh, you know, enjoy childhood or anything, but here we are three years later. And we're starting, we said it, it's going to get better, right? We're starting to see that it is getting better. Oh, yeah. So, and Maya, she is now in seventh grade. And one day, she receives a Valentine letter from a boy named Tommy Valdone. Um, You ever receive a Valentine letter from a boy with a handsome name like Tommy Valdone? I can guarantee you that I haven't. But I'll try anything oh, once. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Valentine's Day. It's all right. I don't know. Right around the corner. 
<laughs> yep, yep, don't you forget it. Uh, I def I definitely won't. All right. Uh, I got I got plans, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing stuff. Mm. Yeah, don't worry about me. <laughs> um but yeah, so the, I mean, this is just kind of telling of, of the times as well. But you know, in any well, in like uh, the fifties or anything post fifties, I feel like p- kids would have an outhouse or wouldn't have an outhouse. Uh, but this is in the thirties, uh, mid to late thirties, I believe, and uh, their schoolhouse is just so poorly funded. And uh, she opens this letter in the outhouse and, well, she almost throws it down the hole, down the poop hole. Um, and, but she's like, wait, I can bring it to my brand new friend, Louise, who could like explain to me what this Valentine's Day thing means because she has no idea what Valentine's Day is. Oh, yep. So Maya, she's a... Uh, understandably so like she might have been blocking this stuff out because her idea of love is still from mr freeman and the way he abused her uh still hasn't gotten away from that so she rips up the letter the next day the teacher is reading off the letters which i thought was very weird i thought it would be super embarrassing if like my uh eighth grade teacher started reading off a letter i would write uh, or if, or if one my crush uh, wrote about me, but I, you know, I wasn't really interested in girls until I don't know ninth grade, tenth grade. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was, uh-huh. I was about them boys, you know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. <laughs> Call of Duty, man. <laughs> Call of Duty and check it out. Yeah, yeah, check it out with Steve Brule. Oh man, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, I thought that was interesting. Like that—that was a really good way to embarrass your students. Seriously. Uh, yep. Maya, she, her admirer, writes another letter, and he states that, "Hey, I saw you rip up that letter, but that's okay, because uh, I don't think you meant to hurt my feelings, and that she will always be uh, his Valentine." So. Uh, yeah, he he isn't too hurt about that. Which taking it that, like a chance. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good sign for an eighth grader. You kidding me? Uh, this man's got the maturity level of uh what most men should have. Uh, you know, eighteen plus in their dating in their dating scenes. You know. So Maya, she thinks that he has good intentions. So the next time she sees him, she will try to flirt with him. Uh, but each time she tries to flirt with him, she just can't stop from g- giggling. Maybe because it's like the idea of love is so silly. Uh, but obviously this uh, pushes him away forever and they just never talk. So Yeah, kind of a silly or very exciting idea for her. And it is really funny that it ends up pushing him away, even though, you know, who knows how she felt about it at the time. But it is just... Uh, a sweet little story there. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is sweet, but it is, it is also telling. You know, it's just like uh, because someone is asking for her love, and she's like, "Wait a second, someone's trying to flip my 
world upside down again, you yep. know. Um, but towards the end, she does kind of get more of an innocent uh, feel for it, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's young. She's young still. So yeah. And, and now we're going to get into even, even more saucy stuff. Uh, <laughs> um, so Bailey, he he's having these girls over right at the house, like all the, a lot. And he starts to play house with them in this tent in the backyard. And it develops into something a bit more steamy, I guess we could say. Um... And he meets a girl named Joyce who is 15 and Bailey is about 11 years old at this point. And Joyce tries to like force Bailey into having sex. And uh, Maya, the whole time, each time that Bailey has a girl over, uh, Maya is the child and Bailey's the dad and the girl is the mom and you know... Maya's just left out on the outside to to watch to make sure that nobody's going to enter the tent. Um, this this part once again is showing the um, I guess the idea of sexuality through the eyes of a young child, just like the rape scene did in part two, where yeah Maya's talking about the multiple girls that Bailey has, but all that they do is whatever pull their dresses up and then they just Mm -hmm. leave but joyce asks uh well she's you know a little more knowledgeable i guess than all the other girls that bailey brings back there and that's what immediately uh well i mean that's what gets the two of them started on whatever road they'll travel down together and yeah um maya's just sitting outside keeping an eye out but she's got no idea what's going on either yep Yep, that's a good point. Like, uh, it's kind of not necessarily like reversing the roles, but like kind of showing how the role of getting intimate has a, an effect on Bailey, and we'll we'll see how it plays oh, out. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, and but yeah, it is crazy. Like it, it's just like because forever, you know. When, once you're in high school, uh, before that, you're just kind of like, oh, sex, that's, that's really crazy. Like, that's never going to happen to me. Uh, I remember the first time I got asked to have sex, and I was like, whoa, I don't know what to do with my hands, uh, you know? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I, like uh, it's just like I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't even, like, kiss a girl yet, uh, but, yeah. And uh, so that really threw me off. Uh, <laughs> uh so uh yeah so maya she's still like chilling outside of the tent and uh <laughs> she she basically opens up the tent and she's like she says uh, joyce don't you do that to my brother very cool of uh maya this is a bit she's very old almost five years older than him uh so it is a bit manipulative and uh yes and she's trying uh, to keep an eye out for uh yeah her brother yeah yep and uh bailey uh he says that he won't talk to her for a month if she doesn't leave and uh joyce is like maya just go get some firewood for mom and dad you know it just 
this weird uh, house life that they got going on right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but you can also see that Bailey's uh, demeanor is a bit different towards Maya uh, as they grow older. Um, yep. And Bailey, uh, he starts stealing things from the store to basically feed Joyce's like ravening hunger and uh, because she wants like all the candy bars, all these other things. And they do they do have uh, like intercourse in the tent and uh, yep yeah, and he, she just kind of manipulates him and out of nowhere, she leaves and causes Bailey to become depressed and uh, she talks he talks very little to Maya and they find out that she left town with this like very older man that's a railroad porter that uh, was actually in the store and they talked in the general store and they left town so yeah just, ba- Bailey just hopped a train yep basically uh took the train out of that uh little relationship yep uh so it's it's interesting that you brought it up because it is a totally different uh perspective but it's it's still like a very um bad thing that happened to bailey as well you know yeah something that he he, got played yeah he really did and you know especially being younger than her in the first place oh yeah yep uh i think it's fair to say that uh that lady uh joyce not a fan not a fan all right so during a storm uh, that shakes the house. It's like a, almost a tornado-like winds. It's shaking the house. It's going through this the store. The wind is. And uh, it's very creepy. It's at night. And a knock yeah. is heard on the door. On a dark and, and dreary night. Just imagine the Treehouse of Terror episodes. Like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's night. There's lightning. It's just... Uh, it's creepy. It's very creepy. Oh, yeah. I was just watching an episode the other day, and Homer, he was, like, watching TV, and he was, uh, there was a quiz show going on, and uh, the guy was like, this fa- this uh, North Dakota capital was named after which famous German leader? And then Homer was like, Hitler! <laughs> uh, I thought that was, uh, that was very funny. Classic that- Homer. Back when uh, Homer just wasn't like a Patrick Star figure where he's just so dumb and there wasn't any like cleverness, you know, now now there's like no clever jokes in Simpsons, I feel. But after, you know, after 50 years <sighs> of making a TV show, you're bound to lose some of the some of the magic, I suppose. Yep. So it's a creepy night. And uh, this guy, Mr. Taylor, he wants to stay the night. But uh, Uncle Willie... You know, he's just kind of like, oh, tonight's kind of creepy. It's, uh... But this man is, like, so depressed and just so out of it, uh, he does not look like he understood anything Willie just said. Uh, he's just kind of, like, staring straight ahead. Yep. And, uh, so, like, after a minute or two of this guy just, uh 
staring. Willie's like, I get, I, come on in, man. We'll uh, we'll make you some food, and what? It's not that big of a deal. And Mama, she starts to make him some soup. Um, you know, on top of this already just being kind of obviously more concise than it's written out in the actual uh, actual chapters. On top of knowing that this is a terrible, you know getting ready or the calm before the storm for the night or whatever this guy is described as having like a little head with these big old eyes and he looks like a human owl and whenever he looks around the room he doesn't adjust his neck at all and just shoots his eyes from place to place so on top of this already being a strange situation this guy's like natural uneasiness that he brings to the room doesn't exactly help things and he just told the entire room that his dead wife talked to him last night so just to set the scene a little more yep and uh yeah his state of being is uh it's just very out there and maya usually she's a skeptic but this guy is like so haunted uh she believes him and uh, she's like, "All right, say say more. Come on, like tell tell your story." And so Maya, she uh, she recalls when the wife died, and she actually attended the funeral because the woman uh, gave her a piece of jewelry, uh, like kind of in in her will, I guess, and actually complimented Maya. Maya was left a yellow brooch, and it was only described as yellow because... Well, Mama only called it yellow because it definitely wasn't gold. And uh, Maya didn't even like the thing in the first place because it was outdated AF. But Mama said, you know, she left that yellow brooch for you, so you're going whether you like it or not to the funeral of the old woman with the yellow fingernails that compliments your complexion. That's, once again... Just uh, just a little more detail for all this stuff. This old lady we're going to find out is kind of interesting. At the funeral, Maya looks out the open casket and like she just can't believe at, at one point in her life this was a body that housed a woman that she could talk to and like walked and had feelings and all this other thing, all these other things that come with well being alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and... You know, like, as a young kid, it is very different to, uh, I mean, I can kind of relate, you know, looking at uh, relatives that passed and looking at their casket, just like, I I was just talking to this person like a month ago. It's a very weird uh, feeling. So she basically compares her to sand sculptures on the beach that, you know, like a sand castle that you would make and... Eventually, the ocean during high tide, it'll take it away and it'll return to the sea or the sand. It'll level out, you know, like it was Uh, never there. Yep. Ashes to dust, dust to ashes till we return. As Uh, the saying goes. Quote me there. Yep. 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 Um, And so Maya, she returns to the present where Mr. Taylor is, the man whose wife died. And uh, he's finally talking about the ghost, the ghost stuff. So, and uh, so he saw a blue eyed angel that was laughing at him. 
and his wife is just moaning uh, somewhere in the room. And he asks his wife, uh, like, what do you want? And she says, I want some children. Spooky. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if I had a dollar for every time a ghost came up to me in my sleep and said, I want your babies, I would probably have like $10. Wow. Yeah. I have a little bit of a succubus problem here in 2021. You're having a succubus problem in your haunted, uh, flat. I don't even know. What would you, whatever that thing you live in would be called, I guess. I guess it's just a house. Yeah, flat house, f- flat house, frat house, uh, flat house, frat house. Succubus um, house. Succubus house, yeah, it's the succubus' and, house now. And for anyone unaware at home, a succubus is a female demon that um, saps all the life out of a man through sexual means. And an incubus is a, uh, well, it's, you know, the lady version, but it's a man instead of a lady ghost. Just, you know, Pardon the, the, more, me. the more you know. Pardon me while I burn. Uh, that's a uh, that's Incubus song. Ah, oh, yep. very nice. Yep, yep. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to see a real life uh, succubus uh, or Incubus, just watch Nathan for you. The ghost realtor, She, the lady had an experience with it that's very powerful. Very uh, powerful. Very powerful stuff. Uh, get out, you demons. Get out. Uh, yep. So, and, uh, you know, he tried, Mr. Taylor, he's trying to ask Mama, like, what does this all mean? What, and she's, like, trying to bring him down to maybe, like, more a more grounded approach. She's like, well, you know, you I, I don't think you're crazy, you know, like she's just trying to say, you, you're not going crazy. The, uh, this can be explained. And uh, mama, she just says, this is a sign from God. You gotta, you gotta help the children, save the children. And uh, Maya notes that the room uh, became less scary because of mama and her assurance. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And um, yeah, mama also tries to spin this into well maybe not spin it but she's trying to convince mr taylor to teach the sunday school because by god the children need jesus teach the sunday school you scary owl face man for the record too i don't think he's crazy either i don't know that i believe in ghosts but i definitely believe that people have had these experiences before you've had a ghost experience maybe i have at the cabin, remember that? Oh, I do slightly remember that now that you mention it. Yep, yep, that was spooky. spooky. That was spooky. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. It was so well, scary. I don't think <laughs> I don't think you can bring it up like that without, you know, not only reminding me of the whole thing, but. Um, Letting the people uh, at home in on our little secret. Okay, or, or okay. Every, every, tale. Yeah, everyone likes a ghost story, I guess. So Here's a sidetrack for you. Yeah, a little sidetrack. I'll keep it brief. But basically, one summer at my, at my lake cabin in Minnesota, uh, it was a nice summer day. Except for that one day, I'm waking up, I'm getting breakfast, I'm getting a bowl out of the cabinet. I open up the door, and uh, on the other end of the cabinet... 
like two door, like four do- doors down. Uh, one slowly starts to open. I'm just like, oh, that's kind of weird, but probably explainable. And then uh, I'm having my my uh, high school boys over, right, Lucas included. Oh and yeah. Yep, I'm I'm telling this story again. And as soon as I'm tell- done telling the story, we hear a loud crash, and uh, this box fan fell down, and it was the only room with a cross. So there was a demon. There was demons. Yep. Spooky. Yep. <laughs> yep, that was... <laughs> and then uh, Cole, he might have drunk a beer or two underage and got in Ooh. trouble. <laughs> How else are you supposed to do that? Yeah, the beers were counted in the fridge, and there's one missing, and I <laughs> could not weasel out. <laughs> oh man, I was a little devil. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm sure that's one, how they describe you. Yep. One Coors Light can really disrupt a freshman's brain. They were Keystones. Uh, Keystone. Yep. That's right. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, so alright, sidetrack is over. It's mm-hmm. done. <laughs> and uh so uh Maya, she's been going to school, right? And uh it's graduation day and she's going to attend the ceremony for her last day of eighth grade and she's actually feeling pretty good about her appearance. Like uh she's got a nice dress on and like everyone's calling her a ball of sunshine. So that's nice. That is nice. Uh, And once again, it's getting better. (laughs) Um, And she's among the top of her class. So that's very cool as well. And Maya, her her and her family, uh, they're making their way up to the school. And it, it sits on top of like this dirt hill. And there's like no grass. There's no hedges. There's no flowers. There's... None, you know, all this stuff is at the white school, but at the black school, it is not like, it's just like this dead ghost, uh, ghost school. Like, you know, like, uh, kind of looks haunted almost. And, uh, she takes her seat and like at the auditorium and she thinks, uh, something's in the air. Like something bad's going to happen. There's going to be like, uh. Uh, bad presence coming here soon. <laughs> everything, well, I mean, hopefully she didn't just think that because everything was off to such a good start. But yeah, she says that she can immediately sense um, something bad in the air pretty much right when they get into the building. Even though she's looking good, she's feeling good, she's, uh, you know, got everything rehearsed. Everything is just going to go perfect as long as there isn't any speed bump. But, um... You know, something's on the way. Oh, yeah. Yep. Might just be a white man. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, um, and so the principal, he announces that their guest speaker is on a tight schedule and the audience should be very grateful for his appearance. Like, this is a star appearance. And uh, the curtains open and it's two white men. Uh, so, and this is just very weird. And... Uh, the shorter one of the two, uh, he goes up to the podium and he starts to talk like it's from a script. Uh, well, he is talking from a script, actually. And uh, he's just like talking about the improvements of schools and the stamps. Um, 
before we get to it, it's actually also kind of interesting to say that it was the two white men. The one goes right up to the podium to start talking, and the other guy, since they didn't expect two people up on the stage, I suppose, took the principal's chair, and there was this whole awkward little, you know, <laughs> awkward little, yeah, to an already, like, you know, to an already strange atmosphere, this guy, he sits in his chair, and then I'm sure the principal came back over, and the guy got up, but then the other guy had to sit down somewhere, and, you know, it ended up with, I believe it was the reverend or something, uh, Maya says that he left the stage with more dignity than any person had any right to in that kind of situation. Like, yep. you know what? You can have my chair. I'm going to go. Yep. <laughs> uh, like, uh, basically, the principal is like, we got to bow down to these guys. Um, he's, you know, you got to respect these white people. I, I think they're part of, like, some school board or something for the county or the state. Um and, and yeah, what the the dude that takes the podium, he's just like, yeah, today this year has been a great year for the stamps community. Uh, we got like a thousand microscopes for the white school. Uh, we got uh, you know indoor toilets coming to the white school. We got uh, better school lunches coming to the white school. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <they> like <laughs> he just keeps going on about all the great things that's happening at the white school. Um, things and to then, look forward to. <laughs> yeah. And then he, he uh, you know, the last sentence, he's like, but you know what? We got some good athletes coming out of this black school right here, and y'all should be very proud of our two linebackers that are at Alabama State right now. Um, and <laughs> so, like, obviously, uh, this is just a huge slap in the face. It's like, black people, you can only be athletes. That's basically what this dude's saying. Right. And Maya says, quote, the white kids were going to have a chance to be like, you know, Galileo's and Edison's while the boys would become Joe Lewis and Jesse Owens, who is uh, actually one of the most badass athletic figures of history because uh, he went to the Nazi Germany Olympics and he pretty much murdered all not you know it wasn't inglorious bastards he didn't murder the nazis um but he destroyed every single competition he was in and defeated awesome. the myth of the bullshit aryan race so take that hitler uh take that to your parking lot grave i stepped over your grave you stupid asshole whoa um um, yeah, this is actually, I remember you mentioning up top that there was a name that you did recognize, and I recognized this one as well, but I couldn't remember if he was, like, uh, a specific type of Olympic athlete, or if he just kind of took home all the gold, and there we go. Yep, yep, I've actually, uh, I, I saw Hitler's grave, and it's, uh, it's, it's great because it's just a parking lot. Yeah. It, yep, it's amazing. And there's just a little plaque that uh, shows what his litter, his little Führer bunker was like, and uh, it's just pathetic. It's it's great, um, and you know, and, and the girls the whole time they're just like, what 
well, what the hell? Like, what are black girls supposed to do? Because at this time, uh, girls didn't play sports. Um, this was a time where if you wanted to be like a you know, girl in long distance running, you'd be shoved away because that's a male thing which has happened in many marathons uh even into like the 60s i believe like the people, 60s and 70s people literally shoving yeah like there was a girl that tried to run at the i believe it was the boston marathon and uh it was all males but a girl tried to run and yeah they were like shoving her the whole time Jeez. yep <sighs> stupid that's what we call toxic masculinity yeah uh, <laughs> um and yeah so everyone is slapped in the face by this especially the black girls but the whole room and the room just falls silent and the man leaves and he's just like well gotta go gotta catch my train because it's almost as if he had something more important to do like this was a waste of time i'm a very busy man <laughs> yeah he just brought the receipts of like all the microscopes he bought for the white school and he's like well now that's done my script <laughs> he, is over <laughs> yeah he brought the boxes they came and look at what this one does yeah god dang you can see so many amoebas in this thing yep <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, good song good song really yeah wow yep it's on uh tony hawk underground too oh i'm sure i'd recognize it then yep it goes a little like amoeba amoeba well, if that uh didn't refresh my memory i don't know what will <laughs> Amoeba. Honestly, I do think we are scientists in our lab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> I love it. Um, yep. So and uh, you know, like Maya, she becomes very angry, and she just go. She goes full blown cynical in her mind. She's like, "I wish America was never founded." Uh, Lincoln, I wish he never freed us from slavery. I wish he was shot, like, right before he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, and she's just like, I wish, like, everyone was dead. And then, uh, but the, she quickly changes her mind when, uh, everyone in the room starts singing the song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. Um, which is just, like, a song of triumph for... The black community in america like it's a very powerful song um uh beyonce she even sang it recently so that's that's cool very nice yep and uh so you know how in a song like you'll listen to it and you're like this is a banger like this is good um yeah it, but you never listen to the words oh and wow. like really understand what they mean well, I mean, you know, that's kind of what Hey Ya is about by Outkast. Yeah? Really? Yeah, the uh, the lyrics are a lot more, like, somber. And he even talks at one point in the song about, you know, he's like, you aren't even listening to what I'm saying. You're just bumping your head to the beat. And hey, that's a good song, but, uh, you know, there's a deeper context to it if you seek it out. I love it. I love Andre 3000. The best lyricist... Uh... Maybe of our generation. I'm going to say it. You're not going to say anything about my man, Big Boy? Uh, I guess. Everyone forgets about Big Boy. 
<laughs> you just forgot about Big Boy. I did. I did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, Maya's kind of in the same boat I am. Like, I, I haven't listened to the words of Hey Ya by Outkast. <laughs> and <laughs> she's like, okay, this song is actually very pow- powerful. Like, uh, one of the lyrics is, like, talking how, how about, like, uh, you know, we cross this path that is basically wet from our own tears and blood and all that. And she's just like, wow, like, yeah, we really did come from a very troubled beginning. And she admits, quote, I was a proud member of the wonderful, beautiful Negro race, end quote. So very cool. She's just ascending chapter by chapter. Yes, yes. It, it just keeps getting better. Like, yep. it, it does. Grabbing those ladder rungs with a death grip and just, she just keeps on climbing, baby. Yep. Like, just think about it. The very first, like, paragraph, well, I think it's actually, like, the second page where she's, like, wishing she was a white girl. Yep. Uh, but but now she's like, I am proud. And it's, yeah, it's it's a great transition. Wonderful. And, uh, but <laughs> this is probably one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh-oh. Uh, and multiple ones in this part, to be honest, but this one's probably my favorite. So Maya, she, uh, she's got a little bit of a sweet tooth here. You know, she's definitely part of the cavity club at the dentist. So, yeah, like, Maya, she just has a very, well, she's got a candy problem. And, uh... Bit of a sweet near, tooth. A little bit. And she starts to develop a terrible toothache on two, two teeth in her mouth. And, uh, well, the nearest black dentist is 25 miles away. So that's... Costs a lot of money to go to this next town, which is actually, uh, Texarkana. Uh, yeah, Texar, Texarkana, right on the border of Texas and Arkansas, if you'd believe it. Pretty much split that right down the middle, if I'm not mistaken. There is a yep. uh, there's a movie called The Town that set it, uh, that dreaded sundown from I believe 1976 or 1977 about a you know a spree killer called the Phantom of Texarkana, and that's where really? I have this information from. Well. I actually have a friend from Texarkana, uh, but uh, I totally slaughtered the pronunciation of the town, and I just called it Texarkerner. <laughs> you did? <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Yeah, but it ended up being a little inside joke, so that was fun. Very fun. Um, yep, so only option they have is to go see the white doctor in town, and obviously this is just, you know... We had segregated sinks. A man, a white doctor isn't going to work on a black girl's mouth, you know? And this is a doctor in town that actually received a loan from Mama during the dark days of the Depression. She actually was, you know, we, we've talked about it so many times, but she, like, really held this community together, and she gave, like, zero interest loans to a bunch of people, literally including white just, people. Yeah, literally just, oh, you need money? Here's some money. Get it back to me when you gotta, because, yeah, she, uh, she's still waiting on the returns on a lot of those loans, but she's just uh, a good woman that uh, 
well, mostly a good woman that believes in, I don't know, people's ability to pay her money back. Yeah, it's cool. be good. She's like, cool yeah, and like she's she... not beating the crap out of her grandkids. Yeah, yeah, a little controversial in that aspect. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, she's a good figure. Yep, and so Maya, she's obviously like, well, are you serious? Like, we're going to white folk land? Uh, and Mama's like, yep. Let's go. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the whole time, Mama, she's trying to play it off like uh, nothing. it's cool. She'll be able to handle this. And uh, they eventually end up in, you know, they cross the bridge and they get to white folk land. And she's like, Maya, stand up straight. You can't be showing any pain. You can't be complaining or anything because these white people are going to judge you. So they arrive at this white dentist, uh, his business basically, and Mama knocks on the door. The receptionist answers, and Mama's like trying to explain the situation. Like, uh, you know, my, my girl, my granddaughter here is like hurting really bad, and I helped you out once, and the door is slammed in their face. And the whole time, Mama is trying to like explain, like, I, I'm the general store owner like down the street like uh you know me um i helped you guys out and like she just really has to explain herself and maya says about this quote the humiliation of hearing mama describe herself as if she had no last name was equal to the physical pain of my toothache crazy she yeah once again she literally like pulled this uh, dentist and his office back from the brink of financial ruin too. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's just, it's shitty. Uh, no other way to put it. And so the dentist eventually comes down and mama, she once again tries to explain the situation and like, you know, I really helped you out during the depression. Like, can't you just, you, it's not even like that crazy it's just like pull my pull the tooth out seriously like <laughs> and uh he says that the loan is paid off and mama explains that well i'm basically the reason your building's still standing yep and he says quote my policy is i'd rather stick my hand in a dog's mouth than in a n-word's mouth so. crazy uh yeah don't give this dude your business no but respect no respect at all obviously mama she's not going to be one to take this right and maya uh, or she walks into the store or into the dentist office and maya has this like imagination of like what she's gonna say and she just imagines you know mama going in there and she and the dentist is sitting there and no business at all not even busy and mama goes up to him and she's like you stand up you get into attention right now you take your bags and you leave stamps forever your business is closed 
and uh the dude he she just imagines the guy gang down on her on his knees and she's like oh thank thank you for not killing me you know you could have really killed me at this moment like mm. like a superhero moment you know like uh like this was captain america going into uh defeat uh ah, red skull <laughs> the matt salinger classic <laughs> yeah <Callback. laughs> yep uh uh, good good film oh good one of the film. best yep so this red skull nazi and it's fitting because he's like basically a nazi right you know he's a racist piece of shit yeah um and so like uh mama uh, this didn't happen like this is just what maya is imagining what went down and uh mama she takes her to the dentist and texts her kerner and <laughs> and he gets the job done because it's a colored uh, dentist, right? And later, Mama, she's telling the story of what actually happened at the white dentist office. And she uh, just basically says, like, I made him pay, like, $10 of interest, which she uses for the bus fare. Like, she took a Greyhound to uh, Texarkana. Maya, so not a, <laughs> oh sorry yeah Maya um, her version is obviously a lot more exciting but it's still awesome that mama went in there and was like fine uh, you remember all that money well now you owe me for that money buddy yep yep at least she uh, went in there and was like look like you know you owe me and uh, she says quote I figured if he was gonna be that kind of nasty you're gonna have to pay for it. Oh yeah! Hey, hell yeah! You pay up, pay up, buddy. Pay the Pied Piper. Yep. And uh, Maya, she says, you know, I preferred, much preferred my version, but you know, still, still a cool story either way. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, how how's your experience with the dentist, Luke? Uh, I had to mention that up top because I unfortunately <laughs> was reminded of, well, just, I, I, you know, toothaches. I've had a toothache or two in my day, and uh, that's a fate worse than death right there, if I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, well, it's because the nerve is, like, connected right to your brain, like all, all your teeth have like direct connections to your brain, I, I believe. And, and that's why your teeth are so sensitive to everything. And if I'm not mistaken, there's hundreds of nerves under every tooth. Yeah. <sighs> there's even a skeleton under there. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enough of the too much spooky stuff. Yeah, this we're episode. getting there. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Yep, yep. All right, all right. Get the demons out of here. Um, and so one day, Mama, she decides that the kids, uh, you know, their time is up in California because Mama, she's getting old and they need to be with their parents. You know, you need to actually grow up with your parents. Oh. Um, and But the real reason is actually because Bailey, he came to the house a few weeks earlier and uh, he was, like, just completely shaken and pale. Like, he looked like a ghost after, like, this event he just witnessed. And he is completely silent, but then, uh, like, for a few hours, but then he asks Uncle Willie, like, 
what in the hell did black people ever do to white people that made them so like hateful, you know? And we're not quite sure what happened, but Bailey, he starts to explain that he saw a dead black man pulled out of a pond by like a white man and like some black guys that were working for him. Uh, and he's like wrapped up in this sheet and he's just being pulled out of this pond. The white man, uh, he turns and grins at Bailey, who's just like walking, you know, Bailey's just walking by and this man, this gruesome scene's happening. It's like straight out of a horror movie. And this white man just like turns at Bailey while he's picking up this black body and it's bloated, it's semi-rotted, and he's like, he tells Bailey to help him, like, load the dead man into this wagon. And the white man, he threatens to lock up the rest of the black men, including Bailey, in this wagon with the dead body. And, you know, after hearing this, Mama's just like, yep, this is enough. Like, you need to go to California I don't want my son to be killed by a white man, like, thrown into a pond like this. Like, this is too much. Yeah. Like, Willie, he's going to run the store. And Mama, she's going to accompany the kids and go to California to, you know, actually have an escort this time. Uh, This really freaked Mama out because we've said it before that... Black mothers and grandmothers really fear for their sons' and grandsons' lives lives uh, in the South. And so Maya, she has, like, no idea what to expect when she, expect, like, once she gets there. But, because, you know, the last time she saw her mother was when the event happened, you know? And... But once they get there, her mother is still as beautiful as she remembers. And the kids, they live with Mama while their own mother arranges, like, uh, a living space. And Mama, she, you know, she adapts pretty well. Because uh, she she never left, like, a 50-mile 50 ra- 50 radius of stamps. And now she's, like... Uh, Maya, she actually describes, like, you know, California with all these Spanish-named streets, and there's lots of, there's a huge Asian presence, Japanese, uh, Chinese uh, presence there. And, yeah, Mom actually does pretty well. She makes a few friends as well. Awesome. Yep. And their dad visits every once in a while, uh, Papa Bailey, Bailey Sr. And eventually, Mama, after about six months, she leaves to go back to Stamps because she's got to run the store. She's got to, you know, return to the community. And uh, so their actual, their their mother, Mother Vivian, that was in St. Louis with them, uh, drives them to their new home in Oakland. And this new house, like, it's right by the railroad tracks and it shakes the house. Like, every time a train goes by. And, like, the whole family is there. I believe a couple of her uncles are still there. And Maya, she has to sleep with uh, the gangster, the godfather, gra- grandmother Baxter. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and it's a little, little, uh, 
little much because, well, she's got bronchitis and she's coughing all through the night and she heals her uh, coughs by smoking some more cigarette butts that she calls Willie's. And it's just like, come on, cigarette you got to do smoke. my boy Willie's. <sighs> cigarette smoke calms the throat muscles. So it really is. Uh, I've been prescribed up to a pack of Marb Reds a day when I got a bad cough. And it does wonders. <laughs> yeah. Especially with bronchitis. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, that's something the doctors won't tell you, is that cigarettes actually help bronchitis. So, yep. <laughs> What don't they help? Yeah, yep. Um... And she she calls the cigarette butts Willie's. Like I thought oh, that's really insulting to our boy Willie. You know, it's got a fun ring to it though. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, and one night, you know, their mom she's uh, trying to get, connect with her kids again, and she's like super spontaneous and likes to have fun. So at like two thirty in the morning, she wakes up her kids and throws a party for them. They're they're dancing and singing and. Uh, their mom makes homemade biscuits for them, so that was very nice. And their mom, you know, gambling, it's how she's making a living still, and she's just living a pretty wild life. And she had a business partner, slash, I think he was like a lover as well, and they ran a casino and restaurant together, but one day they got into an argument he called her a bitch, so she shot him in the foot with the thirty-two pistol. Uh, she does not like to be... She doesn't like swearing, but she will not take when you swear at her at all. As you can, Well, as you can see. They basically um, said every other word out of her mouth was a swear word, but you'd be goddamn to swear in her presence. You know what I mean? Yep. Which is pretty yep. awesome. She's... Uh, um, these kids both have some pretty powerful female figures around them from mama to their actual mother. And even, even though Bailey didn't actually get to know her by the sounds of it, uh, miss flowers, just some, like I said, some very strong female figures. Gotta love it. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Even though, um, you probably shouldn't go shooting people for calling you the big B word. Nope. Uh, shots fired. Shots fired. Um, yeah, not, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't approve of this behavior. The Bad Apple Book Club does not, uh, we don't like violence. Violence is not the answer. <laughs> um, but this man, almost like a zombie, you know, usually if you get shot, you fall back. Not from experience, of course, but usually from what I've seen in the movies, uh, you fall back and like you maybe hold your toe. But this man, he's like the dudes that get shot by a taser and keep walking towards you. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's the scariest shit ever. And uh, this man just keeps walking towards her. She shoots him in the foot again. Uh, and she shoots him another time, I believe. And I, uh, where are you getting shoot- this? Where are you getting this foot stuff from? I believe that she didn't. I don't think she was aiming for his pinky toes or anything like that. I, I think the guy was just shot a few times in the uh, in the barrel. Yeah, that could have been. Well, he shot multiple times, which would, you know, it's completely unnatural for you to, like, charge forward at the shooter. (laughs) No, yeah, no, all I'm saying is, I'm not arguing with anything, I'm just saying, he was definitely shot a few times, and it takes a lot to slow this guy down. 
Yeah. Yep. Yep. He's a behemoth. And, uh, well, he actually is able to get his hands around uh, Vivian's throat and he starts choking her. Um, but she makes it out alive, but obviously very bruised. But yeah, that, that just, uh, shows you that, uh, yeah, she's involved with some pretty crazy wild stuff. It's true. Uh, and so not long after this, uh, America is joining in the fight in World War II and because, well, guess what? Pearl Harbor has just been bombed. So this causes a huge shift in the mentality of California, I guess, and, well, the entire United States because the Japanese business businesses basically all closed down. You know, they leave town and all these southern black people are starting to, like, basically fill the void of that was left by the Japanese people and because the Japanese people all disappeared and mostly into internment camps um, be- because for those of you that didn't know World War II Pearl Harbor was bombed and the US government actually placed Japanese people into like concentration camps uh, work camps and a lot of the community the japanese community in uh san francisco at the time was actually in that and they're they're probably just ashamed and like scared that you know they're gonna get lots of hate crimes from this and you it's like nobody really notices it like everything just like transitions so fast uh, and nobody really talks about it um including the internment camps right yep and uh you know the the people that are coming from the south, the black community, they just kind of see it as a like opportunity, and they're owning businesses now. You know, they don't have to put up with well, not saying the white people are going to be better here because they are going to face racism, but the you they're you know they're they're not getting the lynchings as much as they would in uh, stamps or wherever, and the city. You know, the fear of being bombed by Japan is very real, and they're going through regular bombing drills. The state of uncertainty and, like, just all this chaos that's going on, it just, uh, it's what Maya has gone through her whole life, and she's just kind of like, huh, I like this. You know, I like this chaos. Like, this actually feels like home. God. Uh, yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> she. I can't. I can't remember how she described it, but she pretty much said that her like ignorant arrogance made her bulletproof, Ooh. or something like that. It wasn't exactly huh. phrased like that, but I really enjoyed the way she said how pretty much. I just. I was just uh, feeling better than ever for some reason, and shrouded by. Or maybe kind of blinded by her own arrogance or something like that. Like you said, she's got an extra spring in her step, even though it's not exactly the time to have an extra spring in your step. Yeah, like she's just, she's finding herself. She's uh, comfortable with where she's at. Um, you know, this this new move hasn't bothered her at all. And the sirens definitely haven't bothered her. <laughs> she's just <laughs> kind of like, oh, this is kind of fun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Gosh. Uh yeah, just crazy. Um, but it really, like, just, you know, signifies a change in uh, 
the times. And uh, another thing that's happening is like these people that lived in the South that worked the cotton fields for sharecroppers and everything, they're now working hand in hand. Well, maybe not hand in hand, but like right beside white people in uh, like um, like wartime factories, like assembling airplanes, you know, like Rosie the Riveter building aircraft uh, stuff. I'm sure there's more that was built, but, you know, I'm a I'm an airplane guy. So I, I, I'm always thinking about planes. Um, but yeah, now they're working like right beside these people for this uh, big fight. This, this, I, this little fight that we got into, this little, this little uh, scuffle we got into in Europe and uh, Asia in that time. So, and, uh, so you might think like, oh, everything's great. Uh, integration's going well. The suburbs are getting along. But there's the, there was this famous urban tale in San Francisco of this uh, white woman who, she just refused to sit by this black man on the bus and she accuses him of being a draft dodger. And uh, obviously she's doing it because of the racism. She's like, I don't wanna sit by you. uh, But she's like, you're a draft dodger, so I'm not gonna sit by you. Um, And she's like, you should be fighting in Iwo Jima like my son. And the man, he pulls up his sleeve He reveals that he doesn't have an arm, and he tells her, quote, ask your son to look around for my arm, which I left over there, end quote. And that is where we're going to leave off for this part. The times are a-changing, a whole new environment, and... uh, New city, new Maya. Yep, it's, uh, you know... It's like Night City, uh, Cy- Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, is that uh, what it's called? Yep. Hmm. Night City. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that uh, that's that's all we got this week. But this honestly was my favorite. These have my highlights of the book for the most part. Obviously, yeah. the next part is going to have one of my favorite moments in the book. But there was this one was just action packed and these, a lot of good stuff. These are some great chapters. Yeah, yep. I totally agree. Um, what What are you thinking? What are you thinking over there, Luke? Well, um, as I said at the end of the last episode, even though that one kind of ended with Maya's first, like, um, how would you put it? Her first, like, confidence boost or whatever. We just, like I said, we keep seeing her climb that ladder throughout almost every chapter of this, it seems like. Or... You know, she's just telling a very interesting story, like the one about the toothache. But um, she just keeps on climbing, and you gotta love it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yep. It's uh, it starts out slow, like maybe a sentence or two, but now we're getting like whole paragraphs where she's like actually saying how proud she is of being black and Lit. um just herself like she actually feels good about her appearance in some parts and huge huge transition from uh especially from part one so and the beginning if i'm not mistaken this is our um uh third of four parts so that means that the next one will be the last one yes sir yep and uh we'll be back next week with that one so yeah 
Go ahead It'll and be good. take a look at the Instagram page, the Bad Apple Book Club. Um, posts, stories, sometimes, you know, you know the drill. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, because you got you to gotta be in the know. You don't want to be left out on what book we're covering, you know? And it's everyone's, not even Everyone's like, talking about it. It's not even like it's too much information because, like I said, it's one post a week. And I'm honestly usually pretty happy with that post just because someone uh, may not listen in the first place and maybe the new book we're covering will catch their eye. I actually did. I've gotten a few compliments specifically on us covering um, this book here just because, for one, my, my grandma let me know that Maya Angelou is one of her favorite authors. And I got a, another message or two from people out of the blue saying, oh, it's nice to see you know, that you're covering the classic author Maya Angelou and um like we said this will be our second to last part and then you know we'll have the discussion like we have with a lot of other books oh yeah yep uh yeah thank you for the feedback the the feedback for this series has uh it's been a crazy like yeah. uh cra- crazy good like i've just been getting that best series yet um lots we're, of those texts and thank you uh only getting better with time baby oh yeah yep <laughs> yep and I, I think it might have a little bit to do with uh covering a great author as well but we're improving we're improving as well so well yeah if i may be so bold i think we hit the ground running and we've been batting a hundred since day one but beauty is in the eye of the beholder Oh, for sure. So. And uh, if anyone is listening to this, if you're interested and haven't done it yet, why not go back and listen to those crime and punishment episodes? Because we started this off with a six-parter, and even though we are a bit more shaky on the microphone than we might be these days, I think that they're still actually pretty pretty fun to go back and listen to. Oh, and, man. <laughs> and this will be the 26th or 27th episode overall to not counting the discussions and stuff like that which is kind of crazy because you know we truly have come a long way oh yeah 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 for sure yeah i'll have to listen to those first episodes because uh man we're putting out some good stuff now (laughs) (laughs) you want to put it into perspective (laughs) yeah 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 exactly so but thanks for uh thanks for being on this ride with us uh it's it's a uh, it's a fun one. We're going into 2021, and we're uh, we're going on forever. <laughs> you know, yeah. We're, we're no not pl- stopping there. No so. plans on stopping anytime soon, unless uh, you know, unless we gotta. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But until then, have a nice day. I'll see you next time. Bye bye.
and then if you have trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>